Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. I would tell those people, yes, maybe in this case, I can make 125 if I flip it. I can make 55 if I wholesale it. But wholesaling, you can usually do in a fraction of the time that you do a flip. In a wholesale deal, things can go wrong, but not nearly as many as in a flip. Okay, so my basic comeback to that and the mindset that I use to justify taking those lower amounts and wholesaling as opposed to a higher amount of flipping is I'll do four wholesale deals in the time it takes someone, most people, to flip 125K profit house. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. We have another great replay of our live Q&A that I do every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. People log on. They ask questions. I answer them. We have dialogue. It is a great way to hack getting free advice from someone who maybe has some advice that you should take or something that you need to know in your business and it's just been sort of holding you back and driving you crazy. I know I have had questions in my business that I didn't know who to turn to. Uh, when I have questions now, I always seek the advice of someone who I feel like has been there and knows what they're talking about. So if you're listening to this, then I suspect you put me in the camp of people that you want to listen to. And if that's the case, you should be on the live. You should be there asking questions and getting answers and taking advantage of that free resource because that's exactly what it is, a free resource for you. Uh, on this particular Q&A, we had a really interesting conversation with someone that was asking about basically the guilt of making a lot of money on a deal. Like they're experiencing Experiencing this, this guilt that that they're profiting on a deal a lot, and and maybe they shouldn't be profiting so much. Maybe they should be giving more to the seller for their home. And we talked through that. It was very interesting, uh, back and forth with a live uh, person asking questions. Um, we also talked about 
how to and when to start remarketing a property that is a rental. When, how soon do you re, we remarket that? How soon do you start looking for that new tenant? Uh, we've talked about some deal breakers when it comes to evaluating properties. What types of things should you just walk away from? And it's a hard no when you see these things and you will not buy the property. So we talked about that. Other questions uh, too that were really, really cool. Uh, but this was a fun one, guys. So buckle up and get ready. I give you my latest live Q&A. All right. We're live. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks for being here again on this Q&A that I do live. Used to call it my Facebook Q&A, but uh, we're all over the place now. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We are on Instagram uh, this week, and we're going to try to be on Instagram going forward. I have a lot of people following me there. Uh, we're all over. So you can uh, you can participate from a lot of different places. Um, Facebook and YouTube probably being the two best. I'm, I'm quite certain that we can get the questions in from those uh, locations. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the way you participate into this. Be here on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, <clears throat> 4 p.m. Pacific. And we answer real estate questions. That's all we do. Um, and so you can always listen to this if you want. You can listen to it uh, being replayed on my podcast called Just Start Real Estate. You can go and, and listen to it there. Uh, but I highly suggest you log in and participate because I know when I was building my business and trying to grow, um, there wasn't a lot of people answering questions for me. And I had just a couple of questions every once in a while. Something would come up and it's like, God, I wish I could ask somebody. I wish there was somebody that I could really trust to ask. I am that person. I'm here for you to do that. So please, please participate and ask questions. And uh, we'll have a dialogue. We'll have a chat. Uh, if you absolutely can't make it, I get it. You can always send questions. If you send questions to Mike at Just Our Real Estate uh, and maybe make the subject line Q&A question. So I know that's what it is and we could find it and get it in the appropriate place. That would be great. You can DM me on social media. I'll see that. So those are ways that you can ask questions without being here. But again, being here is the best way. Also, in this market that we're in and in this time that we're in in real estate, the question comes up all the time. I get it on this Q&A constantly. And people who ask me questions offline or see me at events, the question that I get asked more than anything is, how do I find more leads, and especially in this market that we're in right now? And so finding leads can be a challenge. I, I get that. It, it was a challenge when I got started, and I got started in 08. And you know, it was actually pretty easy to get leads back then, but people were still asking, how do I get more leads? How do I get better leads? And now the market is really kind of tough in terms of com competition and prices. And so I get the question even more, how do I find good leads? Over the years, I have done a lot of direct mail marketing and I've spent, I went back and calculated it just so I would know, so I'm not misspeaking. I have spent over a million dollars in direct mail, like putting out direct mail and trying things over the years. And I do know what works in direct mail and there's no silver bullet guys. I'm just going to tell you that, but I have made over a million dollars for several years running using direct mail as the primary marketing channel. And so I've learned a lot and I know a lot about direct mail. And I have put everything that I do, everything that happens in my business as far as direct mail goes, how I set it up, what I put on the card. I even give you my card in this video series that I created called Winning Direct Mail. If you go to MikeSimmons.com forward slash, it's on the screen if you're watching. 
MikeSimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. You can go and get that five part video series for free. I put it together for you guys. It's everything you need to know to be really dialed in with your direct mail and direct mail still works really, really well for people. So you should definitely go and get that. It's totally free. You can't beat free, right? So go and grab that right now and uh, and dial up your direct mail game and start getting more leads because they're out there for you. You just have to know how to find them. So I created that. Hopefully you take advantage of it again. You know, you can't be free. All right, guys, let's dive into today's questions. Again, these were sent to me um, Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, all over the place. And we just kind of compile them and put them here. All right. First question for buy and hold properties. How far in advance do you typically begin advertising your vacancies Four weeks or longer? How long should it take you to vet a tenant? So. It kind of if if you have in your lease that the tenant has to give you 30 days notice before they move out or, you know, 30 days before the lease is coming due, you should be talking to them at, at the at least. Right. A lot of times you won't know too far in advance. Most tenants are not going to tell you more than 30 days in advance. But I say is as far in advance as you know you're going to have a vacancy i would start marketing it and if that's 60 days great if it's 90 days i would still market it 90 days out i would um maybe you're not going to show it quite at 90 days out but i would start building a list of people who are interested 90 days out and uh and then i would start i would 100 be showing it like 60 days out because you want to give people as much time as possible and make sure that, you know, you have a good list of people who are interested in that property and that you can run background checks and do all of your due diligence uh, up front. So usually, though, tenants are going to tell you 30 days because in most leases, it says that they must give you 30 days. And so people will tell you 30 days before they move out. And that's all the time you're going to have. And I think that's plenty of time, especially now. It just seems like rents are high. Um there's a lot of um, competition for rentals to, to rent, you know, like a lot of people trying to rent the same places, especially if they're nice. So you're probably only going to get 30 days. But if you get more then I would advertise it farther out, but maybe don't show it until about 30 days ahead of time or at the most 60, you know, maybe 45. I, I wouldn't show it 90 days out. There's really no point because here's what will happen. You'll show it 90 days out. You'll start vetting people. And when you find somebody you really like, they're going to find something that's available sooner and they're just going to take it. So you're kind of probably wasting time if you go too far out. So 30 days is pretty good. Um, but if you can advertise it longer, I would advertise it longer to get a lot of people kind of in that funnel, right? Get a lot of people interested in it before it's actually available. And then how long should it take to vet a tenant? I typically go with property management companies. So I haven't had to vet a tenant in a long time. However, working with property management, a lot of times they they'll give me or show me the applications that they're going to consider, the ones that they think are really really solid. And a lot of times they'll ask for feedback, and so I get a sense once they do that and then they approve somebody, that time frame is usually about a week. Doesn't usually take longer than that. You can get everything you need uh, for as far as background checks and all that in a week. The things that can take longer are referrals and maybe uh, verification of employment and stuff like that. It shouldn't take long to get verification of employment. And if somebody works at a small like mom and pop kind of a place, you can usually get it pretty quickly. Um, 
unless they're just totally like out of touch with technology and they have to like go pull a bunch of files and do a lot of manual stuff. But a lot of times mom and pop and um, establishments, they have a file cabinet right next to the phone where they answered it and they can just go in it and they can verify stuff. Um, bigger companies sometimes can be tough because it's just not a high priority for them. And so they get to it when they get to it or they do that once a week maybe. But either way, I think a week is usually enough time to vet somebody. It shouldn't take a month. That That's for sure. Two weeks probably pushing it but i can see it if the people are slow to get back to you or or references are not good to call back um or and i mean they're not good at calling you back then it could take a little longer but one to two weeks is plenty that's why if you start 30 days out you have showings for a couple of weeks you have a couple of weeks to make a decision and you make your decision and move forward but if you can start um advertising it farther out Maybe start collecting applications, but don't run them yet. Like, don't get too excited 60 days out, but grab those applications as soon as you can. And so once you do start showing it, uh, people who have applications, you can make sure that they're there, make sure that they know when the showings are, get those people in the door, get them to look at it. Because sometimes people might be willing to fill out an application, but they're not interested once they see the property for whatever reason. Maybe it's not in as good a shape as they thought, or maybe it's close to a railroad tracks and they didn't realize it, or it's across the street from an industrial park, whatever, right? Whatever deters people. Um, or they just found something they like better in the meantime. So don't go crazy running running background checks and things and paying for that until it's a little closer. But within 30 days, you should be showing and betting and picking somebody. So that's, that's the short answer, I guess, or the long answer to a short question. All right, what's the next question? All right, from Doug. Hey, Doug, what's up, man? Let's see. I have mostly been flipping houses, but I feel like I need to start wholesaling to get cash coming in sooner. I've come across two mindset issues with my first wholesale deal. I'm getting a 55K wholesale fee, but could make about 125 if I flipped it. <laughs> um, all right. I don't know if that's the, re the whole question or just part of it. Angela, I'll let you pop something else. I get it. I get the question, this part of it. So if there's more, you can put it up there. So, Doug... Uh, this is what you DM'd me about, I think. Um, I hear you. The big thing with wholesaling and what I've always said to people when they say, why would you wholesale when you can flip a property and make even more money? Like, why would you do that? Because I would, I would tell those people, yes, maybe in this case, I can make 125 if I flip it. I can make 55 if I wholesale it. But wholesaling, you can usually do in a fraction of the time that you do a flip. In a wholesale deal, things can go wrong, but not nearly as many as in a flip. Okay, so my basic comeback to that and the mindset that I use to justify taking those lower amounts and flipping as opposed to a higher amount, I'm sorry, lower amounts and wholesaling as opposed to a higher amount and flipping is I'll do four wholesale deals in the time it takes someone, most people, to flip 125K profit house, or maybe three. But even if I did three wholesale deals in the time it took to flip this thing, it's 160, 165,000, whatever that ends up being, $165,000. So it ends up being more. So with wholesaling, the, the short answer is it's velocity, it's speed, it's the short sales cycle of a wholesale deal. I can do, I did 100 wholesale deals um, two years ago, I did about 80 last year, 85 maybe. Um, but I couldn't have probably done 
that many flips in that amount of time with the personnel and the processes and all of the stuff I have, you know, all of my systems that I have now, it would take longer to do that many flips. So you need to get yourself, if you want to wholesale now, 125K flip, maybe that's an outlier. I don't know. In your market, Doug, um, is that an outlier in your market or is that like pretty normal flip amount? And also the 55K, is that normal? Um, but I would say with wholesaling, the mindset is you get in, you get out, you try to wrap these things up in less than four weeks, like start to finish. And ideally like two weeks, two or three weeks, get in and out so you can use the velocity of wholesaling to do as much or more than you would do flipping. Also, what you don't have, and I don't know, Doug, if this is uh, something you're falling into, a, a problem that you're falling into, but you don't have the cash flow crunch with wholesaling that you can with flipping. So yes, you could flip it. Okay, so 30 to 40K flip is normal. So maybe, you know, maybe you do strategically flip, right? Flip one, if it's 125K, like maybe that's, that's the outlier. That's the that's the home run that you take down yourself and this wholesale everything. Okay, so you're pretty much your market sounds very much like mine. 10 to 15k wholesale deals, 20 to 30k flip deals, right? I'm going to do 3 to 4 wholesale deals for every time-wise, right? For every flip that you can do. Assuming that not all of us are able to do like seven day flips like a friend of mine Tyler Jensen can do seven day flips. Most people don't do them in seven days. Most people buy it it takes four to eight weeks to flip. And then by the time you find a buyer and you go through all the mortgage and the inspection and all the time period that you have to go through to, to sell a house, it's another 45 to 60 days. So you're usually talking four months, right? Four to five months, a typical flip cycle, all right? I'm not saying that's like the best you can do or that's not lightning speed, but most people are in that three to five month, month range. At the very least, three to five months is very, very standard. But I would say four to six is, is pretty normal too, right? So if you take five as an average, five months, I can do about 30 wholesale deals or at least 20 wholesale deals easily, in five months, maybe, yeah, probably 30. So if I'm, do, if I'm doing 100, five months is almost half the year. Yeah, I'm doing about 40, 30 to 40 wholesale deals, right? So you can just do more. There's just more velocity, but you have to build, if, if you're doing this and you're trying to justify the wholesale fee versus the flipping fee, you have to build a wholesale machine. You can't take a flipping machine and cram wholesale deals down its throat. You have to, you have to be built from the ground up as a wholesale machine in, or convert, right? If you're already a flipping machine, convert to a wholesale machine. You have to get good at wholesaling. Wholesaling and flipping, I've said it and I'll say it again, wholesaling and flipping are different. And I don't mean just like, yeah, everyone knows, yeah, they're different. I know one, you fix it and then you sell it to fully renovated. The other one, you sell the contract. It's not, that's not necessarily what I mean by different. It is different like that. But I mean different as in a whole different animal. It's a whole different business. They don't look very much like one another. A flipping business that's scaled up and doing good volume versus a wholesaling business that's scaled up and doing good volume, they are constructed differently. And one cannot effectively and efficiently and profitably do the work of the other. It has to be built for what it's doing. 
and you can convert, right? I converted. I was a flipping machine. Um, I didn't have a lot of people and it wasn't really that big of an operation at the time. But when I converted, I had to unlearn and redo and kind of build systems around wholesaling in order for me to get the velocity that I needed because I was never going to go from flipping 12 properties to wholesaling 12 properties. That's not a good trade-off. If you go from flipping 12 properties, you better wholesale 36, in my opinion, right? Two to three times as many. Okay, Doug, follow up here. And the paradox, I feel guilty about getting a large wholesale fee, like I should be paying sellers more. Haven't had that problem with flips. That is an absolute mindset problem. Like that's mindset cancer to me. Um, as long as here's the here's the here's the test, right? Here's like here's how you know whether or not you're doing the right thing. Is the seller happy? When they go to closing or even before closing, when you make the agreement and sign the contract, are they happy? Did you solve their problem? Did you solve their biggest problem, which frankly is almost never, usually never? the wholesale or the, uh, the the purchase price of their house. It's almost never their real problem. So did you solve their problem and are they happy? If the answer is yes, you have nothing to feel guilty about. Because honestly, with that logic, when you make $125,000 on a flip, you should feel bad that you didn't sell it to the buyer cheaper. Why didn't you sell it cheaper? All right, give them a break. Let them get it for a little bit less. Give them more equity, right? It's you can't think that way as a business person. It's just there's no room for that. This isn't a charity. It's it's a it's a for profit business. So, um, yeah, good. She's happy. She's thrilled. Then you're great. You did a great job, right? You did a great job. Um, you know, I, and I think you know it. I'm just I think I'm just pounding in what you already know. Um, your wholesale fee, there's nothing to feel guilty about any more than your flipping fee, right? Whatever you make for a flip, you shouldn't, you know, you should feel just the same way. Um, if you sold your car tomorrow, like whatever profit you made, you wouldn't feel guilty about that. It's a product. You have a product and you're selling it. There's nothing to feel guilty about at all. You're solving problems for people. And as long as like we've had more, I mean, more than I can count people thanking us, hugging us, crying telling us that we were sent from God because they prayed for a solution and when they got our card and they called us and we came and bought their house and got them out of the problem that they were in. And we've had people that told us they were convinced that we were a miracle from God, like seriously. So we're helping people, right? Yes, we make money. We make money along the way, but as long as we focus on helping people and that's our goal, the money that we make, there's there's no guilt there. There should be no guilt there. So don't do not feel guilty about helping people and having a business because frankly, I don't know how many people are in your company, Doug, but you have an obligation to yourself. You have an obligation to your family. You have an obligation to anybody who works from you, to them, to their family, to stay employed, to stay profitable, to thrive so that you can continue to help not only the sellers, but everybody who works with you, who works for you, who benefits in some way from the work that you do, you owe it to them. If you give to your church or whatever, you have charities that you give, like you have an obligation to them to make as much money as possible so that you can do as much good in the world as possible. So that's how I look at it. Uh, it's not just that one person who you're, by the way, she's thrilled by your own words. 
everybody else along the way is going to benefit. And that's you have obligations to those people too. So I love it, man. It's a good question. I get this all the time. I'm maybe because I'm maybe I'm cold hearted, but I, I hear this from people that they have these guilt uh, issues around not just wholesaling, but flipping, making money, making a lot of money. I, I don't know. I don't get it because I just know that I'm helping people and I give to charities. Um, I'm able to help my kids who are young and starting out their life, their marriages, they're having kids. Like I'm able to help them. Like there's so many things you can do. I was in Cancun um, last month. No, I'm sorry, in April, building houses with my seven figure flipping uh, company. And I was able to donate money. I was able to donate my time. I was able to be away for two weeks, helping literally physically building homes and schools for people who have nothing in an area of the world that's as poor as you can possibly get. Like all of that is because I have a business that makes really good money and allows me the ability to go away for weeks, to give large sums of money to organizations that do these kind of things, to pay my employees well that work for me so they can buy things and have a nice life. You know, it all it all kind of comes full circle. And this money that you're making uh, is is helping more than just you. It's not just some greedy um, businessman sitting atop a pile of gold and just cackling evilly and rubbing his hands together. It's you know, we're, we're employing people, we're doing good things, we're helping the community, we're making, you know, giving people opportunities to make houses nicer and, and improve the community. So anyways, that's enough of that soapbox. But I think you get it, Doug, don't don't feel guilty, man, you don't. And, and if you have to strategically flip a house, because it's just an obscene profit, then then go ahead and flip one, right. But if you're switching to wholesaling, get um get in the mindset and get in the habit of building the machine that's built for wholesaling and wholesaling specifically because that's what will um pay off okay next question please while i take a drink of my cold coffee okay next question when evaluating a property what are your automatic hard pass items and why uh, was there an experience that caused you to exclude them? Some things were experience. Some things were common knowledge or stuff that was passed down to me from people that I met when I was first getting started. Wholesaling, it doesn't apply as much. Um, there's not a lot of hard passes in wholesaling because what I say no to, there are plenty of of uh, investors, buyers that I'm going to sell to that will say yes to it. For example, when I was flipping houses, buying a house on a main road was a hard no, it was a hard pass. But now that I'm a wholesaler, I do buy houses on main roads because there are house flippers, there's landlords, there's people out there that want to buy those houses and they don't care if it's on a main road. So I had to get out of my thought process as being the buyer when I started wholesaling. So for wholesaling, very few hard passes, very few. Most of the hard passes are properties that come uh, come to me that are way outside of my um, the area, my target market, like the area that I that I farm for deals and the area that I market to. It has to be way outside, like way out in the country somewhere where we don't have buyers. Like we'll hard pass on those sometimes. 
Um, but sometimes we'll give them a try because it doesn't really hurt us to put it under contract, build the, the seller's expectations around that. In other words, let them know that we're trying this, but we don't really think we're going to be able to close on it ultimately, but we'll try. So sometimes we'll take a flyer and we'll do that and we'll put it out to our buyers list. It almost always doesn't work out, but that's a hard pass for us. The only other hard pass and it still isn't a 100% hard pass. It's like a 95% hard pass. And this is very um, specific to, to my area, but we don't buy a lot in Detroit, my company specifically. We don't have a lot of buyers that buy in Detroit. And so a lot of times we'll pass because it's usually the juice isn't worth the squeeze. We just don't make enough and it's a lot more hassle and it just isn't something that we're super interested in. So we'll pass on those. But as a wholesaler, no. Now, um, as a flipper, I would pass on things like, like I said, main road. I would pass if it didn't have a basement or a garage. I need one of the one of those two. And the reason why I need one of those two is because people want someplace to store their stuff. And if there's no garage, they need to be able to store their stuff in a basement. If there's no basement, they need to be able to store it in a garage. So one of those two, both is preferable, but one of those two. I usually would not buy a house that was like had a really janky, weird, um, uncomfortable flow to it on the inside. I know that walls can be moved. I get that. You can do almost anything with the inside of a house. But sometimes the stairs were just in a weird spot or the only bathroom was accessible by going through a bedroom. That's the only way you could get to the only bathroom. Like stuff like that, I would pass on. I, I don't want any part of that. It's just a mess to try to fix that. And a lot of times the money wasn't there to do the work that would be needed to make the flow correct. So it was a hard pass if it had like a really messed up um, design on the inside. Um, that's mostly it. Yeah, main road. Not enough storage, janky inside. Sometimes I would tap the brakes a little bit if the outside was just awful. And I mean, awful in terms of like the look of the house was just inherently bad. Like the 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 structure, like the whole thing was just ugly and not like any other house, but ugly. So it's kind of a turnoff. Um, you can fix curb appeal, but it's it's harder to fix structure, right? If the structure of the house was just weird and just bad, then sometimes I would, um, if it was in a real lowland place, like a real flood zone, sometimes I would shy away from that. Flood zones can be real tricky. Um, and so sometimes I'd shy away from that too. But those are the things that I would shy away from as a house flipper, um, as a house flipper, as a wholesaler, not as much. I'll, I'll, I'll sign anything up mostly as long as I make sure the seller has the right expectations and the right, you know, they understand exactly what I'm doing then I'll I'll sign the contract and try because sometimes I'm surprised by buyers. Sometimes they want stuff that I wouldn't want. So I learned to stop second guessing the buyer and just get it under contract, put it out, let them make the decision. Okay, uh, let's go to the one more, maybe one more question. Okay, as investors, we cannot expect grand slams on every, uh, I'm sorry, we can't expect grand slam deals every time. What does a base hit deal look like to you? <laughs> um, this is going to be different in every market because house prices are different in every market. But you just saw what Doug said in his market. I think he said like twenty to thirty thousand dollars on a flip. That's the same in Michigan. It's you know twenty to thirty thirty thousand is a is a base hit. 
That's a that's just a solid base hit. Twenty grand, you know, you buy it for seventy five to a hundred. You put twenty five into it. You sell it for one fifty to two hundred, like maybe one seventy five. Like that. That's a that's a base hit. That's a pretty much a base hit for a wholesale deal. Again, in a lot of Midwestern states, in a lot of states, wholesale deals between ten and twenty thousand are base hits. Those are pretty standard deals. You get above. 20 or 30, you know, 20, 25,000, it starts to become a, a double. Um, I think what Doug was was uh, describing early on, his $55,000 wholesale deal, that's probably a triple. Like, it's pretty good, right? 55K is pretty good when you expect 10 to 20. Um, 55K is really good. I've gotten, I think my highest wholesale deal to this point is like 75 or 80,000. So that's a home run for me. 80,000 is a home run wholesale deal. Um, yeah, so it, it depends. In California, other other states, you know, wholesales maybe are twenty, thirty thousand, and a flip is, you know, fifty to a hundred thousand. I know people that do fifty to a hundred thousand k flips all day long. Like that's normal for them. That's almost a base hit, maybe a double. So it depends on the on where you are. But just take you know, if you do fifty deals, you know, over time, whatever the average is, that's your that's your single. That's pretty much your single. Okay, guys, uh, it has been about a half an hour. We're going to stop it there. Uh, let's see. That is it for today. Again, guys, I, I can't stress enough. I, I really will be baffled if you don't go and get your free uh, direct mail uh, video series. It's called Winning Direct Mail. You go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. Go there, grab it. It's free. I have had conversations with folks who have partaken. They've gotten it they've watched all the videos and they are raving about it they cannot believe it's free and uh i believe the word gold was dropped okay so go and get it it's free for now i may charge for it down the road but uh i really just want to help you guys so go and grab it try it out see what you think i would love feedback if you think it's missing something that you would have wanted let me know if you think it's great let me know that too that helps right it always helps to know um, and if there's something else now that you're listening as the listeners or the viewers of this Q&A, the people who are participate, if there's something that you're struggling with specifically and you would like me to make a quick video series to help you through that, I'd be willing to do that for sure. So shoot me a message, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com. Go to my website. You can leave, um, you can contact me through there. Let me know what you're looking for. Let me know what you're struggling with. My goal is to help. And so I want to do that. Um, uh, private coaching for me is expensive. Um, joining seven figure flipping the, the coaching and mentoring, uh, and mastermind that I'm a part of, it's not cheap, but it's great. It's high quality, but it's not for everyone because of the price point. But if you can get me to help you for free at these Q and A's or by, you know, taking part in a, or, or, you know, downloading the five uh, video series and learning from that, then you should do it, right? Learn for free until you can afford maybe to pay for a mastermind or something that's a little more expensive. But you should take advantage of this, guys. This, this is advice and it's stuff that I tell people inside of our expensive masterminds. I tell people how to build their direct mail campaigns, how to set it up from A to Z. I'm just offering it to you in a video course for free. So go and grab it uh, while it's there. All right, guys, that's it for this week. It's been fun and I will see you next time. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay, until next time.